his fear that she seemed to leave dad so quickly, according to dad, right? Mm-hmm. She just up in one day broke her vows and ended the marriage. I mean, that's sort of how dad might be painting the picture. Right. Think how scary that is to think that my mother has that kind of character, that she would just abandon someone she said she loved on short notice. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. So now the child is thinking, is she the mom I thought she was? Yeah. You know, when she asks him, what if it is true? What if I did break my vows and that's the reason you're going through this? If he was really thinking about it, what if he said, well, maybe you'll leave me that way? Yeah. We don't even have a ceremony that we went through that you committed to me. It'd probably be even easier for you to leave me. Hey, this is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and agonized a few times to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day, and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug-of-war rope, or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Hello, Diane. Hello. How are you, Rick? I am good. This is going to air after the holidays, so I shouldn't say anything about Thanksgiving. It'll already be over. How Um, was your Thanksgiving? (laughs) It was good. Uh, Actually, we didn't have as many uh, family over. It was just my dad and Jenny and Janet and I. My daughter, who we usually have it with, his parents came into town and they celebrated with them. So we had a small Thanksgiving. Yeah. We went to Ohio to visit my mother since my dad is gone and spend some time with my brother on Saturday, watching the big Ohio state, Michigan matchup. So that's always fun. And uh, yeah, it was fun to be with family again. It's been a few weeks since I've done that. So today, Rick, we're going to be talking about a value um, that has to do with marriage. Okay. And When you got married, did you and Janet recite vows? Yes, we did. Uh, V-O-W-S, not (laughs) V-O-W-E-L-S. A, B, C, D, (laughs) and sometimes Y. (laughs) A-E-I-O-U. Yes, we did. We wrote our own. Uh, Uh, So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really special. And did you say, I will never divorce you until death do us part? She wrote that in there, but I scratched it out. <laughs> no, no, we didn't oh, have that Janet, in there. <laughs> Janet, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. That should have been a clue right away when he starts scratching out the vowels. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, we did not do that on purpose. Okay, okay. But that doesn't mean that you left that open just in case you wanted to leave her. Oh, no. No, no, no. And I know there were some people more contemporary actually do say, I promise to never leave you. I promise to never divorce you. I promise to never be unfaithful. All the things that we 
perceive the traditional vowels mean, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that when we were getting married, my husband and I, um, he wanted to say to love and obey. Uh We we had a big argument. Uh The word obey. Right. (laughs) What does that mean exactly? For some people, I think the vowels are sort of ceremonial Mm -hmm. and just... um, can't think of the word. What's the word I'm looking for, Rick? Um, Ritual? They're a formality. Formality, yes. You know, where for other people, they take them very seriously. And whatever I recite, I'm promising something to you, right? Mm -hmm. And in the moment when you're getting married, I mean, you're in love. You're saying, of course, of course I would do that. Yes. So why is it that so many people get divorced? Do you think after making those promises? Gee, uh, well, there's all kinds of social political answers to that. But uh, one thing we live longer than (laughs) 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 it was easier to keep the vowels when I died at 25. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I, I think, I think that, well, one of the things you can't anticipate is how the other person will change or not change for that matter. People grow apart um, Mm -hmm. or you find out who they really are in the long run. That's why many more people are living together rather than do those kind of vows because they they want to find out who this person is that I'm, I'm thinking of committing to for the rest of my life. So in a way, living together is a way to honor vows. But the research really doesn't support what you said. Oh, shoot. About living together. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Living, living together does not necessarily, it has not been proven to produce um, more better, lasting marriage. Long lasting marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Something about the commitment of marriage that is more important than the living together. Of course, the vow I made at the divorce, right, was that I would never marry again. Mm. <laughs> and and I broke and that Janet one. Janet came along and you couldn't resist. Right. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, we worked very hard at figuring out why get married. Uh, what is the difference? Why can't we just make a commitment to each other and stick to it? What is the purpose of the ceremony and and that um, process, that ritual? And what we what I found out, at least part of what drove it for me was it wasn't for me. It wasn't for us. We didn't need it. It was for our community. And our community saw us differently. It was like, oh, we don't know how to categorize you you two. Hmm. Um, and then uh, we got married and go, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. You fit in. I understand. And I thought you were going to say because your health insurance company and social security <laughs> cared about it. <laughs> oh, that's my, that's my kids and stepkids. Yeah. Okay. It becomes very pragmatic uh, with health insurance. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, we'll get back to that. After we read this listener's question, I wanted to just sort of open with, we're going to be talking about these all important vows and how that plays out in some divorces. Okay. So this is an email from Leah and she writes, my co-parent is a stickler about facts. 
He's very black and white in how he perceives the world and what he thinks others should do, say, or be. When we were married, I could be telling him an important story with a theme that I wanted him to understand, but he would frequently interrupt me to correct my grammar or would question whether or not I had the right date instead of actually listening to what I was trying to tell him. It's one of the reasons we are divorced. It became too impossible to communicate about anything meaningful. In addition, I could never live up to his expectations. Now I see my children going through that with him, and I don't know how to help them see that they are not the problem without saying bad things about their dad to them. Recently, my 12-year-old said to me, if you would have honored your vows, we wouldn't be in this situation after one of their frustrating conversations with their dad. I know exactly where they got that idea. He told me many times after I filed for divorce that any issues this creates for the kids was because I didn't honor my vows. I do feel some guilt about not sticking it out so that they wouldn't have to experience divorce, but I don't think I could explain to them how emotionally abusive it felt to be with him. What should I do? Mm. Wow. So, Leah, first of all, let's talk about the child before we get back to talking about the value that we place on the vowels. Um, This is a 12-year-old. I don't think we needed Leah to tell us that came from dad. (laughs) (laughs) No, not once she told us the age, we knew. (laughs) If you would have honored your vows, we wouldn't be here right now. What does that sound like to you coming from a 12-year-old? It sounds like uh, I hear frustration with dad, um, and I'm going to guess that there's something else going on here. It's not the vows that he's upset about. It's the concludes whatever they were talking about with dad mm-hmm. and how it turned out. It's interesting you say that. I mean, she did say after they had a frustrating conversation with dad, he brought that up. We don't know what that conversation was about, but we can assume if Leah is telling us the truth that dad is exasperating his children, much like he exasperated his wife. He hasn't changed. No. The argumentation or the kind of calling out the errors in your thinking Mm -hmm. instead of being able to listen to what the person is trying to say. And, you know, it's one thing to do that to your wife, but it's quite another when you start doing that to children, because in some ways you're shaping how they feel about themselves. Right. How you are treating them, treating them, listening to them, speaking to them, affirming or not affirming them, that kind of thing. But I think there's a great opportunity for Leah here to have a conversation with her 12 year old, not in defense of herself, because what do you think Leah wants to say when she hears that? (laughs) I, I went, went through my mind. I wanted to say, uh, do you, Do you know how hard it is? You can't imagine how hard it is to live in a situation like that. Um, And why should I follow my vows if it, if it gave him permission to abuse me? Those were the kind of conversations. You want to hear about violating the vows? I'll tell you about violating the vows. Right. And then she'd be off and running about all the ways that dad maybe was not uh, honoring his vows. Um, We don't know what those vows were. Mm -mm. If they wrote them themselves, they could include very specific things. But regardless, um, the child is left thinking, this is all mom's fault. 
Right. And, you know, maybe mom was trying to discipline the child. This is quite common. The child's already kind of frustrated with the situation of having to be in the middle of this and then comes home to mom and then mom is upset because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Okay, well, then you have to go to bed early tonight or no, you're not allowed to see your friends tonight or I'm going to take that phone away from you because you violated the phone rules. And they use that prime opportunity (laughs) to say, well... In their indignation about being punished, if you would have honored your vows, I wouldn't be this way. Right. right. And um, think about all the ways a child could use that. You know, I would be a better child if you had honored your vows. If you had, <laughs> had honored your vows, uh, you know, you would have more money to spend on me. <laughs> I wouldn't have got arrested if it wasn't for me. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Because we know co-parents do that to each other, right? Oh, yeah. You know, that, or they say that to their kids about the other parent. You know, we're homeless because your dad's not paying child support. Or, mm-hmm. You know, blaming every every situation or every negative uh, event on the other parent who didn't honor their vows or didn't pay their child support. So this is pretty common. I'm more concerned, though, about what this child is going through. Yeah. So if we were to go back to the worried, afraid, concerned concept, the mm-hmm. whack concept, concept that we talk about, I don't know that this mom needs to necessarily ask a question of this child because it's kind of implied yeah. by what he said. She could really jump to, it sounds like you're pretty frustrated that your dad and I are divorced. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Yeah. And he may say, you better, you bet you're sweet. I, darn yeah. tootin'. <laughs> darn tootin'. I'm upset. You know, maybe there wouldn't be, I can't manipulate you because you're divorced, you know? I mean, <laughs> right. When you guys were together, this wasn't, this was a lot easier. But now that you're apart, I'm having trouble doing my normal manipulation. But that's a starting place. Sounds like you're pretty frustrated that we're divorced. And then he may bring up, yeah, because it's your fault. And then I think mom should say, I'm sorry that you've been told it's all my fault. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true, but what if it was? That's the question I really want her to ask the son, or I guess it's the son. I don't know. She said 12 year old. I think it is. Um, What if that was true? What if this was all my fault? How would that change how you feel about me? Ooh, I like that. What do you think the child would say? This is risky to ask this question. Don't ask a question if you don't want the answer. Yeah, anticipate a negative response. uh, No, I can't. I can't respect you because you lied and broke your vows. Yeah. How would it feel if you found out the divorce was all your dad's fault? Um, yeah, I, that would that would give me pause. I don't know that I would even have given that any thought until she asked. Mm-hmm. He might say, "Well, I wouldn't respect him either." Right, and then you can say, "That's what is really hard." Mm. There's no way to know whose fault it is. And some of the hardest things in life. Or when bad things happen and you just can't put your finger on who to blame. And I'm so sorry that this is one of those. You can apologize for that. 
Yes. I'm so sorry. This is one of those situations where you just can't figure out who do I blame for feeling so bad? Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay that you're frustrated by that. All I can say, you know, I'm sure from your dad's perspective, it's all my fault. From my perspective, I don't think it's all his fault, but, you know, there's enough blame on either side. I don't want you to be in the middle Mm -hmm. of the blame. All I can tell you is that every relationship requires two people to fail or succeed. Yep. And I didn't decide to divorce your dad overnight. There were lots of conversations, lots of tears, lots of things that happened. And I eventually decided it was best we would be better apart than together. And unfortunately, that has hurt you. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I like that a lot. There's a lot of lessons, life lessons in there to be unpacked. That's cool. And then you end with, and I hope that you'll judge me by what you know about me and who I am and not what others say about me. Let's judge each other that way. Yeah. I promise to judge you by my interaction with you. If you'll promise to judge me by my interaction with you. And if we can make that promise, I think that this can be okay. None of that is about dad. None of it. That's about her and her relationship with her son. And what do you think the son leaves that conversation with? It, it, at the least, I don't know if the son would walk away with this, but mom has clearly uh, acknowledged his frustration, clearly acknowledged his feelings uh, and validated. So that's that's got its own value there to walk away feeling heard or even like my mom understands what I'm going through right now, even though I may have verbalized it in a in a mean way to my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that experience of being heard, being validated would be affirming, would be powerful. Mm-hmm. And the chances are that he'll bring up the vows again are a lot slimmer Mm -hmm. than if he would have brought up the vows and it would have triggered her and he would have got her going and got her more upset than he would have been. He would have been like, hmm, I know how to (laughs) twist mom around. All I have to do is bring up those vows. Get her (laughs) off balance so I can get what I want. Yep. So you're also neutralizing the topic. So that it's not as powerful. If he brings it up again to her, it doesn't have the same power Mm -mm. because she's kind of already said, yeah, we've dealt with that. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry that you feel stuck in the middle of not knowing who to blame. Are you wondering how to use the dragon method that Rick and I talk about on this episode? Consider attending our online workshop in January, where we'll unpack the method in detail, and you'll have the opportunity to ask questions about your unique situation. Check the show notes for more info. It's the same reason, Rick, that we advise co-parents to not, when you're telling the children about the divorce, when they ask, why are you getting a divorce? It's the same concept that you don't say, well, because this, 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 and this, these are the five reasons we're getting a divorce. (laughs) 
because they'll take those so-called facts and check them out and try to figure out, you know, does the other parent feel the same way? And then they've got a different list. And then I'm going back and forth between two parents comparing the list of why the divorce is happening and the list we know never matches. And all it leaves the child with is a frustration of which of one of my parents is a liar. Yeah. And then no kid wants to think either one of their parents are lying to them and it creates a huge trust issue. So it's always better to say, sorry, you got put in the middle of that. If I told you my side of the story, you would just tell him and then he would tell you his side of the story. And then you'd have two stories and they're never going to match because we're two different people with two different perspectives. And then it would just keep you frustrated. So I'm not going to go there with you. All you need to know is that I love you no matter what. I'll continue to love you no matter what. You know, what's fat, it, it just hit me when you said that, that sentence, uh, the facts are hurtful, could be hurt, hurtful. So she didn't go with the facts, which is exactly the characteristic of dad that he always focuses on the facts. Right. She focused on the feelings. Yes. So that is a, that's a huge lesson. Yeah, right you don't. There. She doesn't want to get into the same arguments with her son that she got into with his dad. No, no. The him correcting her facts and her defending the facts. Yes. <laughs> and then it'll just feel like you're married again to the same person. And my, oh my God, my son is turning out to be just like his dad and you know, all those frustrations. Mm-mm. So another thing I think she can talk to him about, if it opens up a conversation, I wouldn't talk to him if he's just the curtain falls. He's not paying attention. But if this opens up a conversation with him, you might explain as well that his fear that she seemed to leave dad so quickly, according to dad, right? Mm -hmm. She just up in one day broke her vows and ended the marriage. I mean, that's sort of how dad might be painting the picture. Right. Think how scary that is to think that my mother has that kind of character, that she would just abandon someone she said she loved on short notice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So now the child is thinking, is she the mom I thought she was? Yeah. You know, when she asks him, what if it is true? What if I did break my vows? And that's the reason you're going through this. If he was really thinking about it, what if he said, well, Maybe you'll leave me that way. Yeah, we don't even have a ceremony that we went through that you committed to me. It'd probably be even easier for you to leave me. And I think it's really, really important to say, wait a minute, hold on. The spousal relationship is distinctly different from the parent-child relationship. Yeah. The day I birthed you... Yeah. Or if you're a dad, the day I held you in my arms for the very first time, my heart became part of your heart. Your heart became part of my heart. You can't separate that. Yeah. That's forever. That doesn't happen at the wedding ceremony. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, our man- ceremony was in a, was in a uh, birthing suite at a hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And because of that, the unconditional love is assumed, implied, a given. Yeah. That no matter how you treat me, I'm going to love you. Now, that doesn't mean I won't discipline you or punish you when I need to or do whatever I need to do because I'm your parent. 
but I will always love you. Marriage doesn't come with that same guarantee of unconditional love. There are conditions in marriage. Absolutely. I might not love you if you cheat on me. Right. I might stop loving you if you abuse me. Yes. I might, you know, if you go to prison for 10 years, I might go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I might divorce you. So I think even though a child, you would think a 12-year-old would automatically know that, he or she has not had relationships to the extent that they would understand that. So it's always important to say to a child, I will never leave you. Mm -hmm. Because one of the issues the 12-year-old might be pondering is, if dad thinks my mom has that kind of character, and it's true, maybe I don't want to get too close to her. Maybe she'll leave me too. Maybe I better keep my distance to keep from getting hurt. And if mom doesn't realize that, she's going to not understand, why is this child pulling away from me? Mm -hmm. Why is he so angry at me? You know, who knows? That kind of conversation could be really, really healing. Right. And yeah, take the opportunity when you you get that chance to say that, that my love for you is unconditional. Yes. Yeah. So that's how I would deal with it with the child. I want to dig a little bit deeper into Leah's psyche and her heart, because she said at one point, I do have some guilt. Right. For not sticking around. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I there's nothing wrong with that. We all, I think anybody who initiates a divorce is going to have some level of guilt, if yes. not for no other reason, because you know what you're about to do is going to hurt some people that you love, including your children. Yes. You know, maybe even blow up the extended family as you knew it. There's, you know, there's consequences to divorce. Um, There can be religious issues attached to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up being told God hates divorce. So therefore God will hate me. Yep. Um, But there, so there's all kinds of reasons people hang on to those vows But I think it's important, first of all, to unpack what is a vow? What vow did you really make? And like you said earlier, what if someone makes a vow that's important to you and they break the vow? What do you do? Mm -hmm. You go to counseling, you talk about it, you try to work through it. What if you can't come to resolution? Yes. You know, what, what are the alternatives? And divorce is an alternative mm-hmm. to that. Sometimes the best alternative. Sometimes. So, Leah, I think I would, I don't know your situation. You know, there are people that even do things they're not proud of and end up in divorce. Maybe they do have an affair and they're not proud of that. And I'm not here to make excuses for any of behavior. But at some point you have to say, okay, <laughs> it is what it is. And now I've got to move on from this because carrying around guilt is especially not a productive emotion if um, the guilt is unfounded. In other words, if you did nothing wrong, then the guilt isn't productive at all. Yeah. If you did do something that you feel was wrong against somebody, the guilt is only productive to the extent that you either make it right or you learn from it. Yes. Sometimes you can't make it right. 
So you learn from it and what you learn and how you decide to order your life after the fact is all you can do. Now, I'm of the belief that having your children watch that is pretty important. Mm, Okay. If you stay in a relationship that feels abusive, but you think I have to take it Mm. because if I don't, the kids will experience divorce. The question is, what are they watching? Yes. What are they learning? Yeah. Versus I'm going to end the relationship. So my children don't have to experience the abuse. But then you end up in a bad co-parent situation. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you gauge which is the higher risk? When we did, we did a whole episode on how do you make that decision and weigh the risk when you really don't know what the future is. You just have to to weigh it as best you can and make a decision with the information you have at the time. Yes. So you may have regrets because now you know more than you did before and you wish I've had more than a few people say to me over the years, had I known co-parenting was going to be this hard, I think I would have decided to stay. Yeah. Because staying probably would have been easier on the kids and I probably could have endured it, but I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Co-parenting was going to be as toxic or more toxic than the actual marital relationship had been. Yeah. So all I can say to that, Rick, is that you can only make a decision for what you know today. And you make the decision the best you can. Sometimes we make poor decisions because we're human Mm -hmm. and we have to clean up the mess later. But what I want to say and feel free to add to this, regardless, if you're a person of integrity, the kids are going to see you work through decisions and problems with integrity. Yes. And even it, when you don't make the best decision, right. you learn how to fix it. Yes. And that doesn't mean fix it, that you're going to get back together. It means that you're going to manage the, the consequences the outcomes that you couldn't possibly have anticipated it's it's life you're going to they get to see you struggle and make mistakes and we have to make mistakes or we're not going to grow and we're not going to learn but how we handle our mistakes is makes all the difference in the world whether we end up progressing in a healthy way or an unhealthy way Right. And our kids can old, learn that by watching us. The old adage, it's not that you fall, it's how you get up mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, which is kind of cliche. But even from, a, if we we're going to look at this from a religious perspective, because I've heard those arguments and people punishing people yes. because they've gone through divorce and you must be punished. You've committed this sin. You need to be punished. And that in and of itself, what, what religious value is that teaching your child? Mm -hmm. Are you teaching your child? Is it more important to teach your child that divorce is wrong? Or is it more important to teach grace and forgiveness? Mm -hmm. And can you teach both? Right. 
Does it have to be, like she said, black and white? Does it have to be an either or? I don't know about you, but my life has never been laid out in a black and white fashion. Every time I thought it did, uh, uh, it it was painfully wrong. (laughs) It looks like, usually my life looks like some painter just dropped a bunch of paint cans on the floor and that's what we got. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. All different colorful messes. Anyway, I just wanted to encourage Leah that um, I understand the guilt, but I wouldn't hang on to that too long because your kids are learning some very important lessons from you and can, if you have this conversation with your 12-year-old, that life isn't black and white. And maybe that will give your 12-year-old some comfort because he or she may be frustrated that dad is making life black and white. for them. And they're going, wait a minute, I'm 12. And I know there are grays in the world. Yes. And if mom can point out that it's okay, that you're frustrated because I'm, I'm frustrated too, because life just isn't this way. Life throws curves at you all the time. And it's, it's how we recover from those and how we manage those that make all the difference. And that could be just exactly what he or she needs to hear to kind of not be frustrated anymore dad yeah if if the world if the universe is black and white then there's no reason for wisdom it 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 makes things all way too simple it's just black and white but wisdom is knowing when to apply a rule and when to break that rule there's a right time. What is it in the Pirates of the Caribbean? Sometimes the best thing to be is to be a pirate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, that's what life calls for, someone to be a pirate today. Right, right. Um, but that's wisdom. And you only learn that wisdom by paying, managing and dealing with your mistakes. Yep. Yep. Okay, great. I like that. I like I liked your question, Leah. Thank you. All right, Rick. I think that's it. All right. Then uh, we'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, you've probably heard Rick and I talk a lot about the dragon method of communicating with your co-parent, which is a step-by-step process to think about each conflict you have and to devise a plan to resolve it with or without your co-parent's cooperation. Many parents have told us this method, coupled with the structured email protocol, has saved their sanity. If you'd like to know more, check out our podcast companion journal called I Am Non-Impossible, a 12-week journey to co-parenting peace. You can find it on Amazon in print or Kindle formats. Just click on the link in our show notes. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals.